Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, August 18th, the Don't Want to Be the Awkward Aunt edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the very short Best Advice Show podcast, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is about to be five, and my youngest, Ami, is nearly two. We've got an interesting question today from an aunt who really wants to be closer to her nieces and nephews and, like, support them at their activities, but she's afraid that she's going to come off as being (laughs) creepy. So today we're going to brainstorm some ideas to help her strengthen those bonds. Then on Slate Plus, if you're at the beginning of your parenting journey, these ads are probably inescapable. And if you're a little ways into your parenting journey, then you're probably scrambling to give them away. That's right. We're talking about baby gear. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. You know, you're reaching back there, yeah. putting your life and theirs in danger. But with the Wubbanub, you can kind of reach for it a little more easily and it's more grabbable. And I find that it's much harder to lose a stuffed animal than it is to lose a pacifier. Mm-hmm. However, after, you know, several months of use, it's so disgusting. So you, you will be replacing it a couple times at least. You get more of our show and a bunch of other Slate favorites every week if you have Slate Plus. You also get to avoid all ads and get unlimited access to the Slate website. It's truly the best way to support our show. So please consider signing up if you can. You can join by going to slate.com slash momanddadplus. Again, that's slate.com slash momanddadplus. Okay, we're going to catch up on our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. All right, Zach, let's start with you. Have you triumphed or failed this week? Both. Um, So we're still like three, four weeks out from the beginning of school and thus are still in camp season. And this is our first camp season because Noah was in daycare last summer. And so something that I didn't think about when I signed her up for all these cool camps was this idea that each time she starts a new camp, is a new disruption it's a new it's a new routine it's the anxiety that um my wife and i still feel like when we meet new people so certainly i understand that that noah feels it that so so she's just having to kind of do this over and over each time she does a new camp i just that just totally passed us by and i'm feeling and and seeing the effects of that this week because she's in her third camp of the summer and I, I dropped her off for her first day, which it was, it's a dance camp. It seems really cool. Right up her alley here in Detroit. And I dropped her off and she was just so scared. Like she, she literally told me like, what if they all laugh at me? Um, I don't want to go to camp. Please don't leave. And she, you know, I stayed there with her for like 40 minutes, something I've, I've really never done at school or, or other activities because she was just so sad and I felt so terrible for not having thought of this. Oh yeah, this is going to disrupt her her emotional state a bit. So I, I decided to leave. And I'm like, Noah, I promise when I leave, you're going to have fun. The other kids in the class seemed nice. The teachers seemed totally competent and sweet. Um, and I left and just crossed my fingers and hoped that 
the day would turn around for her. I didn't hear from them all day. Went and picked her up at the end of the day. They said she bounced back very quickly. She did great. And so she did it. Like, I'm so proud of her. But also, I'm just disappointed um, that that I just didn't think of this. It's like, oh, it's basically a new camp. It's like you're starting a new school several times during the summer. And starting the new school, butterflies should only be required once a year. But we're we're giving them to her several times. Um, I think, though, you know, it is good practice for her to kind of come in and come out of social spaces. Oh, but she was so sad. But um, today was much better. We walked in and, in fact, some friends of our family who I didn't even know were enrolled in the camp, an older girl um, who's like eight, immediately came over to Noah and took her under her wing. And it was like, she just totally saved the day, this older, mature kid. And um, I, I have a feeling Noah's in the groove now. Until next week when she goes to another new camp. Yeah, but you can use this week to bolster, like, mm-hmm. hey, you did this and you were mm-hmm. fine. And I know mm-hmm. it's scary, but it is, I think it's good to be like aware of that, but it's also like a good it's a good life skill to be able to show up in a group and figure out how to kind of be in the group quickly. And also if it doesn't go well, it's only a week. Yes. It's only a week. How but do you two do in new groups? I do great. <laughs> good for you. That's, I mean, that's awesome. I don't know that surprised. I do great, but I, I enjoy meeting people. What about you, Jamila? How do you um, do? Like at conferences, for example? Or- yeah, I'm a, I'm a little shy and awkward. I will say right now, just considering the amount of like alone time I spend, and I would love to go to a conference. And actually, I'm going to a conference this weekend. I'm going to the Black Girls Social Club Conference. Shout out to them. I'm moderating oh, nice. a panel. I'm very excited to meet everyone. Um, but in general, I am a little shy and awkward. So, you know, I, I can turn it on and do what I need to do. But um, yeah. I, uh, you know, my default is not necessarily the outgoing person. So I have those feelings, too. So I can relate to Noah and Naima can, too, because she like we've had a few activities start with tears and I'm not they're going to laugh at me and I'm not going to do well. And even at, you know, her age, there's still that anxiety of doing something new. So that's completely normal. You definitely did not fail by putting her in multiple camps i think she'll look back on this summer as a time where well she'll forget it in a few years because she's so little unfortunately but what she will be able to hopefully remember is that there was a summer i did all this stuff you know and that'll be very cool to her i do think in the future because since we are often not places for very many years i try to book their summer camps with at least one friend one to boost that time like hey, if I can give you a week with a friend or with someone that you want to spend more time with, great. Even if it's not necessarily the activity that they would have chosen, I think that kind of lessens this anxiety, too, of like, okay, well, you have this friend, and now the two of you are going to go do this together, and maybe you'll make new friends, and if you don't, oh, well. Which it sounds like she kind of got accidentally. (laughs) 100%. Yep, she did. Shout out to the big kids. That has been one. That's been one one of Naima's saving graces in these last few activities at dance camp in particular. There's a girl that she refers to as the big sister she never had. Oh my um, gosh! That's so yeah, nice. that's, that's the great thing about these camps, right? That it's not just one grade. Yeah, that's super great. Well, what about you, Elizabeth? Have you triumphed or failed? Uh, I have failed, but I think that down the line, maybe it'll be a triumph. So we squeezed in a camping trip this weekend, just like an hour from here at this park, Mueller State Park, which is lovely. 
your car is not right there, so you have to get all your gear from the parking lot to the campsite. And a lot of times when we go camping, this other mom and I, we take the kids and all the gear up, and then we sort of set up without the dads, and then they come up um, after work. So it's just a lot of work. And I think that the kids have like gotten to an age where they they are like the driving impetus for these these camping trips. So they, especially Mm -hmm. the 10-year-olds and the 8-year-olds, need to participate in the setting up. And so I just feel like I am the mean mom because if I see them at all wandering off to, like, go do something else, it's like, it's not time for that. We are setting up or we are cleaning up. And this is a family activity, right? Like, the setup is worse because they're not really helpful. But also, like, if they don't learn the two 10-year-olds, they need to learn to set up their tent. And it's extremely frustrating, and they get frustrated, and I'm trying to be, like, like find that place where you are both, like, motivating them <laughs> to do the work, but also making sure they don't wander off, you know? So it's, like, this balance of, like, this should be fun, but I also know it's, it's not fun. Like, setting up camp is not fun. But it, it sort of makes me the... It's like they're all sort of annoyed with me, <laughs> you know? We do a reenactment of how you actually say it. Of how I, yeah, so so let's say they're like, uh, we, we show up, everybody carried like the first load, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, um, our middles, I'll say like, okay, middles, you guys are going to set up the chairs. And then I watch them go down there and I'm like, Biggs, you guys are starting on the tent. Just let's get the tent poles together. Then I look down and the middles are like sitting in their chairs and I'm like, okay, we have to get all of the chairs set up. Not just one for each of you. We need to set up more, more of the chairs, right? Then I go back and with the tent, uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, why aren't? Why aren't the poles together? <laughs> Can we please put the poles together? You know, and they're like, we don't know where they go. It's like, it doesn't matter where they go. We're just going to put the poles together. Okay, now let's check the bag for the instructions. But I feel like I get increasingly frustrated and I'm like screaming mm-hmm. down the campsite. Like, where are you going? <laughs> the chairs are not up. You know, you know, or they'll say they got the chairs and then they wander off. It's like, okay, there are more jobs. There are more jobs to be done. This is not just... <laughs> Are you the only adult delegating? Well, the other mom is definitely the more... Um, like patient and nurturing mom and she also has a younger child i am the get things done mom mm-hmm. so she is sort mm. of like whatever we get done is fine you know like everyone have a great time which we need you know she's getting everyone snacks and water and she's helping uh but i am definitely the one who is like the rain is coming the right. tents need to be up yeah yeah <laughs> there's know? a deadline like, for camping like we can't make the next load of things until we have like nobody wants their pillow sitting on the picnic table so we need to get the tents up to put like pillows in it and the sleeping bags so i am definitely like the <laughs> the driving the driving force, yeah yeah yelling at all of the children <laughs> so some somebody's got to do it someone's got to do it when you're camping it. that's right yeah the hope is that I'm instilling this idea of, like, we're a family and we participate in this activity, the hard stuff and the good stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jamila, how was your week? Our week was great. We went to Chicago and visited my family. It was very nice. We got to see everyone. Naima got to see all her grandparents. It was it was a good trip. But the night before we left, we decided to try this recipe she goes by the Korean vegan who tweeted it. Mm-hmm. And she usually posts this incredible, you know, Korean vegan food. Yeah. But she made this cake out of Oreos and water. And it looked so good. And so we decided to try it. It did not come out well, but I'll explain why. <laughs> so 
there's like some bit of an Oreo shortage going on, it seems like. Oh my God. We went to like three different stores and they did not have regular Oreos available. They had gluten free. Um, which is what we usually eat because I'm fake healthy, but I figured, you know, it probably wouldn't work as well for the recipe. And they had mint, you know, and they had double stuff. And I'm like, well, I think that'll throw off, you know, like this thing bakes up in the microwave like a cake. And I'll tell you the recipe, 28 Oreos, a cup of water, you blend them, uh, you grease a glass pan, you bake it for like six minutes in the microwave. And hers came out looking like this delicious chocolate cake. And she saved a little bit of the blended Oreo mixture and, like, put it on top of the cake like a glaze. And then put more crumbled up Oreos on top. And I was like, okay, wow. You know, this sounds like, who knew? Okay, Mm. great. It's going to be delicious. So there's no Oreos. There's no Oreos. We finally go to the Ralph's close to our house. There's no Oreos. So time's up, you know, like if we're going to make this cake tonight, I have to figure something out. So I buy Kaleidos, Ralph's store brand. The generic, uh uh-huh. Chocolate sandwich cookies. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Ultimately, I am a cookie monster. So like if a cookie is edible, I will eat it. You know, like I'll eat a Chips Ahoy. Like it's fine. It's not my preference. I'd rather have something from a bakery, but I'll eat a Chips Ahoy cookie if it's the only cookie available to me. Kaleidos are disgusting. And I should have known that if the cookies themselves did not taste good, that blending 28 of them with a cup of water and putting it in the microwave was not going to be <laughs> any better. The people at Nabisco have not been able to stop people from making chocolate sandwich cookies, but they have damn sure protected that recipe. <laughs> because whatever is in a Kaleido is very different chemically from what's in an Ario. So this thing comes out the microwave, and at first it kind of looks like a cake a little bit. It's a little almost gelatinous, sort of, and like mm-hmm. the underside of it is like slick. It's like plastic. It's like shiny. It's the most one of the most disgusting things I've ever tasted in my life. I want to taste this cake. How it's supposed to taste, though. It I do sounds too. So okay, well, we. I think we all have to make it. We have to find I, it. We do with the proper Oreos. Report back. Report okay. yes. back. This is definitely a fun activity <laughs> that I am game for. Well, uh, listeners, you heard it here first. We're all going to be making Oreo water cake. Um, Hold us accountable. You know how gross your teeth get after Oreos? I can't even imagine how with the Oreo water, that's going to be a whole new level of swamp teeth. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to tackle today's listener question. All right, we are back. Are you ready for our listener question? Hello, mom and dad. Longtime listener, first time advice seeker. My husband is 60 and I'm 51. We don't have kids by choice, but we have a ton of nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews all on my husband's side. My husband's siblings are all quite close. The kids are close in age too and grew up together. They only live about 10 miles from us. Everyone gets along great. We just don't have as natural a connection or ease with them. Part of that stems from us being kidless and the youngest of the bunch. I'm also a little bit insecure about initiating social activities, and my husband is a bit neuroatypical. We now have six great nieces and nephews who range in age from nine to five months. 
I'd love to get to know the kids better and generally be in their lives, you know, supporting them and sporting events, school plays, concerts, etc. But I don't quite know how to get invited to those things. We are not experienced or comfortable with things like babysitting or solo activities with the kids, at least not yet. So offering to watch them is out. These are young, busy families with parents who have busy careers and kids with loads of activities going on who seem genuinely happy to share info on activities and are always happy to see us, but often just don't remember to let us know. How can we get more involved without seeming creepy or stalkerish? Thanks, Awkward Aunt. Okay, Awkward Aunt, you are so not creepy and stalkerish. You are exactly what this family needs. They probably just don't know that you want this because you haven't told them yet. And the reason they think perhaps you don't want to hang out with their kids is because for whatever reason, you don't have kids, which is an absolutely wonderful thing that you've decided to do. So you just have to let them know. And it is going to be a huge, huge, amazing change in your life when they realize, oh, I can call up aunt and uncle because they want that. And it's going to be this mutually reciprocal, amazing new relationship that will be opened up by the mere exercise of you calling them on the phone and saying, hey, I would love to be more involved with your kids' lives. They are going to be so happy, I promise. I agree that you have to tell them. And I can't agree more that this is like what every family wants. We also have a childless aunt by choice in our family, and she is such an amazing resource. We She lives in Washington, D.C. We live here. But even um, she has just kind of offered up like, hey, anytime the kids want to FaceTime, I'm available. And and even if she's kind of working, you know, she'll text them back like, hey, I can't call now, but can I call you at this time? Like, however that works out. And I would say when she's here, she she can watch the kids and she doesn't mind doing that. But the bigger thing that she does is like come with me to things, which is one more entertaining for me, but also like an additional adult. Just, hey, we have this thing that we're all going to go to or we want to go to this museum or we want to do this. And having another adult who is going to pour into your child is is such a good, good thing. So I agree that you are not creepy. I do think, though, that you have to take the initiative because, like yeah. you said in your letter, these yeah. families are busy. They don't want to bother you. Um, I think most families feel like, in general, we are a bother to other people, and asking for assistance is somehow not kind of part of the cultural norm. So, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with shooting a, an email and saying, hey, do the kids have anything going on this week? We would love to come see you. Or, you know, find out what activities they're on and say, can you send me a copy of the soccer games or these sort of things? I mean, the other thing that I'm thinking is like, you don't have to watch the kids one-on-one to be the the parent or the person cheering them on at a lot of these things, especially if there are a lot of kids or they have a little baby. They might be there and be not really able to focus on the kid that's playing because they're chasing around other kids. So if you can show up and either help with the kids that are running around or just be the one watching the game and cheering, you know, for your for your great niece or nephew, I think those are wonderful things to offer, but you're going to have to find a way to reach out to them until it becomes habit. So asking for the schedule, just texting every Sunday night and saying, what's on your schedule this week that I could come help with or that I could support the kids? I mean, I just can't imagine that that goes over poorly. I mean, this is how families should function. This is (laughs) the way that we do it is not as very uh, atypical to the history of human beings. So yeah. This is this is going to be so great. I'm so excited for you. 
I'm like, do you live in LA? Do you want to come and support Seriously, another kid? Yes, you exactly. Need more butts and seats at these <laughs> events. Um, yeah, I agree with Zach and Elizabeth, and you know, in particular, you're just def- they will be happy, you know, barring any circumstances we're not familiar, you know, that we don't know about, but like they'll likely be happy to welcome, you know, someone else who wants to cheer for their kids or just hang out. Um, you are going to have to be assertive and, you know, making yourself available to them because it's not going to naturally occur to them, you know, on a regular basis to invite you to things until it does. Um, and you can also like be honest when you, you know, talk to them about like, Hey, I didn't want to be weird. You know, like I'd like to support the kids more and come to more family, you know, come to more of their events, hang out with you guys more. I don't have kids on my side of the family. You know, this is something I've always wanted to do. And, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I just really would like to be, you know, play a bigger role in the kids' lives. And if that's, you know, something you're cool with, then, you know, I'll reach out from time to time to get the schedule for games or, you know, whatever it is. And you can tailor your specific, you know, stuff to each family based on the age of their children. You know, like... You may say, I'd love to have a park date. You know, I mean, all these kids are park years old, you know, like, so (laughs) this is kind of a cool age to get in there. Like, they're all young enough to be entertained by something like going to the park or the museum. You know, you don't have, like, teenagers or even tweens to deal with. Um, Yeah, just say I'm here. You know, I think that's really just the biggest thing. Just, like, consistently reminding them that you're here. And, you know, there may be some of the families that take on to this, better than others and that's okay you know try not to take it too personally and just kind of get in where you fit in i think it's okay if you feel awkward too i think part of this letter read like well i'm so awkward and i feel like that's okay and it's okay it's totally fine (laughs) like this is what you you're allowed to be awkward and you're definitely allowed to be awkward with your family i i just think you can say even i feel i mean jamila this is sort of your advice like Call Just call it out. Like, I don't want to be creepy and I feel awkward, but I want this to be part of our routine because I want, you know, to be part of this family and to help participate. And I love being around you and your kids. I love the idea of like a park date. And if you feel like you want to do something, but you're not really sure what to do with the kids, you can even say like, let's meet at the park and I will bring like the adult picnic and you can bring the stuff for the kids. Like, we have a, a family friend who doesn't have children who that's kind of what they, you know, she's like, I don't really know what to do with these kids, but I would love to meet up with you at a place where that's good for the kids and I'll bring us something and you mm-hmm. manage the kids. And that feels like such a treat for me. Yep. And the kids see, like, us having a good time and become more comfortable, like, around her. I I just think that the more you can be part of it, even if it's not this one-on-one engagement with the kids until you feel ready for that, that is perfectly okay, too, and still builds that relationship. Like, so much with kids is just being present and them seeing you a lot and getting comfortable. Can you let us know how this goes? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for it. We would love some updates, and thank you for listening to the show, Awkward Aunt. Anyone else? Do you have some thoughts to share? Let us know by emailing slate.com. You can also forward your own questions there. That's it for our show. We'll be back in your feed bright and early on Monday, so be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Thanks. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Tywell Macanjola. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening.
right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. Recently, we came across a New York Times piece about becoming a baby gear obsessed dad. We'll link it in the show notes. But for those who haven't read it yet, Zach, can you fill us in? Sure. This is a piece from uh, Kevin Roos's column, The Shift, and it's called I Was Skeptical of Baby Gear, Then I Became a Dad. And it's basically about Kevin becoming obsessed. And he's got like this incredible Google Doc that's actually um, embedded in the article that you can refer to if you are on this journey right now. So as his wife was uh, pregnant, he was just getting very, very conversant in all things gear. And one of the kind of key points that he makes is, I'll I'll read from it, he he writes, quote, as annoying as it made me, I like knowing about baby gear. My wife liked me knowing about baby gear. And I found to my surprise that learning about baby gear was forcing me to learn about babies themselves, what they like, what they dislike, what ages they grow into and out of certain behaviors. As the due date approached, I felt more prepared and less hapless than many of the other expectant first-time dads I met in our birthing classes, many of whom had outsourced the gear decisions to their wives. I was never like a gearhead. But I am curious. I thought we could just use this as an opportunity to talk about like the most essential gear in your parenting life, something that you've recommended a bunch or just something that you are so glad you have. Well, honestly, I feel like gear has updated and changed so much in the nine years since I've had Naima that I can't really make recommendations the way I once did um, mm-hmm. to new parents. But I am a very big fan of baby wearing you know, yeah. as long as you can carry them and wear them. Um, so I would, you know, suggest something. God, what was the brand that I wore? It might have been an Ergo baby. Okay. Because I was an Ergo, like, about the time that Henry was born, I was an Ergo person. And then mm-hmm. eventually became a Tula person only because they made toddler carriers. So I could mm. use a carrier that kind of folded for the baby, but then could also load one of the bigger kids in it. Um, which I'm sure now Ergo does as well. But I, I was also a big baby wearing. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, but I, I guess one of the things that I found of this article is like with giving gear recommendations, it is so dependent on what your life is like. Like someone's yep. life-saving gear yeah. doesn't necessarily fit your family. Like when I made my list, it was like, okay, here, my favorite gear was baby wearing, like you said, and basically strollers and things Mm. that help me on the go because we just had our kids out so much traveling and doing stuff that like gear that um i was never really worried about health monitoring of any kind that i just don't have that anxiety so so none of that was really relevant (laughs) to me a monitor installed in the home like we had one but we i purposefully got a very basic one so that i could bring it with me and use it places so i think too that's the thing to me about Doing the research, I love that for him it was this gateway into understanding the baby and that all the baby's phases and your kids, you know, all the different things that they go through. But it's like one parent's recommendation applied to your life, and then each of my three kids liked totally different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like one loved this particular swaddle, and another one like couldn't stand being swaddled <laughs> that way. The one thing that has been a big one for for noah and ami as they're both noah was and ami currently is addicted to the mozets that's hebrew for pacifier um the wubbinub which kevin Roos talks about the wubbinub is great it's the pacifier that's got the stuffed animal attached to it it's perfect if your kid loves the pacifier and requires it in the car 
because if they drop just the little pacifier that's not attached to anything, you know, you're reaching back there, yeah. putting yeah. your life and theirs in danger. But with the Wubbanub, you can kind of reach for it a little more easily mm-hmm. and it's more grabbable. And I find that it's much harder to lose a stuffed animal than it is to lose a pacifier. Mm-hmm. However, after, you know, several months of use, it's so disgusting. So you, you will be replacing it a couple times at least. I did really love our travel stroller. I was lucky to get to test a bunch of travel strollers. And so I feel very passionate about like the baby jogger. I I think it was city tour is the travel stroller, but it Mm -hmm. folded into a backpack, but not as, as small as the GB pocket. Yeah. I mean, the GB pocket folded like into a small square that you could put in a backpack, but it wasn't very sturdy. Mm -hmm. The baby jogger city tour folded into like fits in the overhead bin. No problem. Came with a little bag to put it on. We could fold it and put it under tables at restaurants. And it was so sturdy. (laughs) I think we've spent more time. My wife and I spent, have spent more time talking about new strollers than new cars. Like it's just much more important to us. It, sure. A stroller is a car. Uh, yes. One of my like worst baby gear experiences. I think I was able to pass it to a girlfriend. I hope. I know it's one of the last things I was worried about getting rid of when we were moving. I think what was cool about it is that it was a car seat. It was basically a car seat on wheels. Mm. As somebody who did not have a car, you know, like it was a pain to like if we were going somewhere in an Uber, you know, if I didn't have once she aged out the double stroller, like that was look, we just did a lot of illegal driving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> it was I felt like it was definitely early in the game for stroller yeah, car yeah. seats. Like cause it was and it was kind of wonky, you know, and it cost a lot of money and I was really excited about <laughs> it. And like <laughs> Yeah, just it was, you know, like a little it wasn't the easiest thing to push, you yeah. know, and so that which kind of defeats the purpose because like my other stroller rolled like a dream, yeah. you know. Um I had a Britax stroller. I know they've there are definitely many models down the line on from where they were when I had ours, but I loved it and it had, you know, um a lot of different configurations. There was a bassinet attachment that I bought and like literally never used, but it was so cute. Um, and a car seat attachment and it, you know, stuck around. Like we kept this stroller, you know, and it I think I only got it cleaned once and it like it did really like got it clean clean. You know, like it did really well for like as long as she was strollerable. Um, but I will say as far as gear goes, my other recommendation is to shop used things, especially for those yeah. big purchases like strollers and I, my carrier, like my first baby carrier was the old school, um, baby Bjorn, which was fine. You know, like you don't have to have the $200 baby carrier. Um, and then when I was ready to upgrade to something a little bit more fancy, I got a used one, got a great deal on it, went to some rich, rich lady's apartment and picked it up. Um, used stuff is fantastic yeah. especially with clothes buying new i oh, hate having to buy kids clothes it's like it, it feels so dumb because <laughs> they wear it once yeah they wear i mean they wear it once and then they grow out of it or they get it they get it really dirty and there's just so many used baby clothes all around you if you just look a little bit plus if you are taking i don't it always felt like such a joy to be able to share like some of our favorite pieces with mm-hmm. someone else having a baby and it, it feels mm-hmm. like if i hadn't have been able to give it away it would have been really difficult to part with mm-hmm. but because i was like giving yeah. it to someone else that i loved you know <laughs> like or even someone who just needed it you know like hey this is um 
uh, one of the lovely things about being in the military is this sense of just like sharing gear. Like I think half of my gear for Henry came from the squadron we were in from the wives who had, had just aged out of that and were like, here is all the gear you need to start. Like that was lovely. And then you can try things too. I mean, there are some things that if you think you're going to run the life of maybe you need to purchase new or look for a specific, like not, you know, wasn't used a lot. Um, but I just think it's so nice when you can get that stuff and then you don't feel guilty if it didn't work out for you or if they poop on it. Yes. And it feels so good to get rid of this stuff too. Even if you like it, like, doesn't it just like to, to load up a big bag of stuff that's been sitting in a closet yeah. and just, uh, it does. It's an exhale. I have so, like, there's this pile in Naima's closet and it's officially out of control. Cause I, it's where I was just throwing things. I have in my closet, I have bags. I actually have two full bags. So it's like time to go make a donation. But like, I keep a bag in the closet for stuff that's getting donated to the Goodwill. And for Naima, I have this pile because I'm like, some of her stuff I like to, you know, pass on to friends and, you know, folks we know with kids. And like, I looked at the pile this morning. I was like, oh my God, it's like two years worth of clothes. It's so much stuff. Like, but it's just, they wear their, they wear their clothes so infrequently. Like she's amassed so many clothes. And I just look at, and I'm like, we don't spend a ton of money on clothes. We don't go out of control buying clothes, but like, there's just so many of them. There's so many. And they don't get worn. The cutest thing is kids' overalls. Oh I think that's gosh. just the cutest item on Absolutely. the cutest little bodies. They're great forever. We're, yeah. we're still doing overalls. Um, Teddy is has this very particular sense of style. He likes to wear all the dressy clothes. And I think it's because in the hand-me-downs, the majority of like what has survived the other two are button downs like you know like pleated khaki pants and these sweaters with things on it that the either we were given or we purchased for henry and then he wore it once and then maybe oliver wore it once or twice right this weekend hiking uh this woman said hey there's a little boy running ahead in a suit coat is he yours (laughs) we were all like yep (laughs) what are you gonna do not worth the fight i've already yelled at them about the tent it's not worth the fight (laughs) (laughs) that is hilarious well, Slate Plus listeners, thank you for joining us as always. And be sure to join us again on Monday for a regular show and back on Thursday for another bonus segment. 